listeners, and welcome to the 26th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, and where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm simultaneously checked out and locked in this week. Uh, Yesterday, I spent about 15 hours at work, uh, though admittedly, part of that work was at the Cardinals game, but the vast majority of that was networking, which absolutely just saps the life out of me. Uh, I'm, I'm not bad at networking by any means. Don't get me wrong. I can turn on the charm when I need to. Uh, but spending hours trying to sound interesting while not talking about cars is super taxing for me, and I'm just exhausted, and I don't want to be doing any work anymore. But at the same time, I've always found excitement and energy from cars, and I can absolutely haul through writing this podcast some weeks, and and that has absolutely been the case this week. Um, It's like I'm on the work equivalent of a vodka Red Bull. Uppers and downers at the same time, and I'm bound to make a bit of an ass of myself. In any case, uh, here are your top stories. First up this week, there have been several stories about alternative fuel vehicles that pose some pretty interesting scenarios for enthusiasts and car buyers alike. So uh, we'll start with the bad news, uh, which is that Nanotech has pulled out of a partnership with Fisker for the company's new E-Motion electric sports car. Uh, If you'll recall, this vehicle was supposed to have game-changing graphene batteries that charged quickly, held a ton of power, and created a lot of speed. Well, turns out Fisker's timeline for the e-motion would have required Nanotech to basically only work on Fisker batteries, which didn't jive well with the other projects that um, uh, Nanotech had going on. So Fisker has since announced that LG Chem, uh, which you know from their phones and TVs, uh, will supply the e-motion's batteries, which, while they will apparently no longer be changing the game, will still be just fine for Fisker, and uh, probably just fine for however many buyers they find for their cars. Uh, Toyota, meanwhile, is trying to change the game all by themselves, and announced this week that they're developing a so-called solid-state battery that drastically improves range and shortens charging times. Uh, This uh, solid state allows for greater battery density, which reduces the size of the battery uh, needed and can permit greater flexibility in vehicle design. Uh, We'll apparently see this tech on a brand new model that will come out in 2022, which, while it sounds far off to people like me who think the 90s were around 10 years ago, it's just less than five years away. Uh, BMW also got in on the EV game this week, announcing that their model lines including Mini, would get all-electric versions, with an electric Mini coming in 2019. Um, I actually still have my press credentials on my desk uh, from when I attended the LA Auto Show back in 2008, and I remember seeing the launch of the Mini E back then, which uh, was a sort of short-range plug-in Mini that never made a very big splash and, and never went on sale outside of a California And while it may have taken nine years, or um, I guess 11 until it actually launches, uh, it certainly seems like it's about time everyone else gets an actually useful Mini E. 
in other alternative fuel news, Toyota is struggling to sell its Mirai hydrogen fuel cell car because there aren't enough stations to support buyers making the jump to fuel cells. Uh, rollout for the car had been slow since the infrastructure to refuel hydrogen cars in LA alone took years, but they have yet to establish a meaningful network on the East Coast at all, confining sales just to the West Coast. While Toyota's partners expect to have three or four hydrogen stations online by the end of this year, that's hardly a super figure that will change consumer opinion about convenience or availability. Um, while Toyota sold 708 Mirai fuel cell sedans in California dealerships in the first half of this year, GM and Nissan have each sold 10 times as many Chevy Bolts and Nissan Leaves. Uh, they want to sell 30,000 hydrogen fuel cell cars by 2020, but they're still butting into the same chicken and egg situation that they have been for 10 years already. And you'd think Toyota would either have cracked an omelet by now or switched to egg substitute, I guess. Uh, also this week, in case you thought uh, we were all done with Dieselgate and Volkswagen was going to pay their fine and get on with business, uh, it hasn't quite shaken out that way as it increasingly looks like VW was just the tip of a much larger cheating iceberg. Uh, in addition to London's mayor insisting that Volkswagen still owes 2.5 million pounds in congestion charges for their excess pollution, this week Porsche announced that it is being forced to recall more than 22,000 Cayenne diesels that were apparently also equipped with software defeat devices that would detect when the car was being tested for emissions. And this emissions cheating iceberg is in addition to a much larger, uh, completely separate, uh, potentially antitrust iceberg that has just surfaced uncomfortably close to the German automotive Titanics, uh, if you will, recently. Uh, European investigators announced this week that they, they've been looking into whether Germany's largest car makers have run a sort of cartel... <laughs> as far back as the 90s, wherein they colluded on technology, parts, and prices. Uh, the European Commission says that the evidence suggests that rep representatives from Volkswagen, Daimler, and BMW met regularly to agree on technical spec specifications for everything from brakes to clutches to emission systems, uh, and this continued until just recently. Um, while it's not clear if this collusion which has been under an antitrust investigation, directly led to the defeat devices that uh, and the software that has been used and the focus of the Dieselgate scandal, we at least know that the manufacturers agreed to deliberately limit the size of uh, tanks containing AdBlue, a diesel treatment fluid to limit exhaust fumes, in order to fit larger sound systems into cars. That's right, the Germans traded your increased likelihood of cancer for more sweet, sweet bass. In any case, the AdBlue fluid was rationed until the car detected that it was being tested, at which point it deployed normally, resulting in cleaner emissions under testing procedures. So the collusion certainly at least indirectly led to e Dieselgate. So the whole investigation started out with authorities looking into whether Volkswagen had manipulated steel prices in order to keep them lower for the company. 
from that, a VW letter to the uh, cartel authorities basically unveiled a network of 200 industry workers sitting on 60 committees that regularly met to discuss vehicle development, engines, transmissions, and, and just about everything else, apparently in order to try to set their own rules and control the game in which they were playing. BMW is the only company talking at this point, and they only went so far as to say that such meetings were fine and common if the parts being discussed weren't leading factors in differentiation, basically saying, if we're talking about standard parts, it's standard, so it's fine, which isn't really the case. If, if you and a few friends set the standard for how everyone else in your industry is supposed to operate, it certainly gives you an edge in how you compete. So the thing is, these alleged meetings aren't just anti-competitive. It sounds like they're anti-consumer. Uh, whereas the Japanese Gentlemen's Agreement that for a long time limited the best and fastest sports cars to reporting only around 280 horsepower was created because of safety concerns and the fact that they didn't think cars really needed to go any faster. German collusion has helped these companies drive down costs, pad their profits on luxury vehicles, and expose millions of people to dangerously high levels of nitrogen oxide. If the companies are found to have engaged in anti-competitive behavior, they could be subject to fines in the range of tens of billions of euros. And while enthusiasts know that German engineering is the greatest automotive myth ever perpetuated, uh, maybe what they were referring to is the way these companies have engineered their own profits rather than their cars. Those were your top stories. Here are some quick hits. Porsche this week was announced as the most appealing brand in J.D. Power's annual survey, followed by Hyundai's Genesis brand, which wasn't around last year. As the Germans, BMW, Audi, and Mercedes round out the rest of the top five, while Mitsubishi, Fiat, Jeep, Toyota, and Mazda finished at the very bottom. As a Mazda owner who is taking his car in to have specialists identify an incessant rattling that is driving me insane on Saturday can tell you, it's probably deserved. How is that push towards premium branding and repeat ownership coming, Mazda? Keen to stay looking European despite their residents' apparent preference for the opposite, UK lawmakers declared this week that they would ban the sale of new gasoline and diesel cars after 2040. This follows France's effort to improve air quality and spur auto manufacturers to speed development of electric vehicles. While this will undoubtedly do wonders for Britain's lungs, their teeth remain an ever-present problem. Although the first production Model 3 rolled off Tesla's production line a couple of weeks ago, and Tesla will be live-streaming the delivery of the first 30 vehicles tomorrow on Friday, Thousands and thousands of people who put down deposits for the car are still in the dark about when they're actually going to get their car or what type of configuration it's going to be. Hell, we haven't even seen high-resolution images of what the interior looks like. While Tesla initially received more than 370,000 deposits for Model 3s, it's not clear how many people have withdrawn their interest due to the delays, and owners are hoping to find out more about delivery dates on Friday. While some of those Model 3 buyers may have switched to the slightly more affordable and more available Chevy Bolt, 
The car is also not without its problems, and it's come under criticism for, of all things, its dashboard. Apparently, if you get the light ash interior color, the top of the dash is so light that it reflects brightly on the windshield, making it really difficult to see out of, which, as you can imagine, is sort of an important part of driving safely. Some owners have put black cloth across their windshield or resorted to cheesy dash carpets or even swapped out their dash for a black one at the owner's expense. Clearly, this is an issue GM will have to address if it wants its electric vehicles to be taken as a serious competitor for mainstream-focused EVs like Tesla's Model 3. In addition to improving battery life, scientists have also been making great strides in lengthening the lives of we human drivers. Unfortunately for Oliver Schmidt, I don't think they've quite reached the point where they can extend lives an additional 170 years. Oliver Schmidt is, after all, the VW executive who is facing 11 felony charges for his role in the company's Dieselgate scandal and is facing 169 years in prison. If you think that sounds excessive for what sounds like a white-collar crime, remember that studies have suggested that approximately 60 people in the U.S. and more than 1,200 people in Europe will die as much as 10 years earlier because of the excess emissions produced by Volkswagen diesels. So Schmidt definitely didn't commit any victimless crimes. You may have heard that the Great Barrier Reef in Australia is undergoing an unprecedented bleaching, which is basically biologist talk for mass death, but don't worry, it's totally definitely not caused by climate change or anything. Well, Australia doesn't really have a plan to fix it. Instead, they've decided to build a great big coastal highway right next to it. Environmental concerns? Oh, yes, that reef. Well, Australia has now decided that the Great Coastal Highway will be the nation's first electric interstate, uh, complete with electric charging stations, and all electric cars that the Aussies drive along it will be able to recharge while admiring the great coral corpses. I know all of us will probably take a Porsche 918 Spider if we uh, are offered one, but what if we could buy a car that laps the Nürburgring in just half a second slower? Well, now you can, sort of. Uh, and it's a Subaru. The Subaru WRX STI Type RA NBR Special uh, completed its lap in just 6 minutes and 57.5 seconds, which is just faster than you can say its whole name making it the fastest sedan ever to circle the famous German track. The car is based on the WRX STI Type RA, but was built up by ProDrive uh, to make over 600 horsepower. The coolest thing may be the power-adjustable rear wing, which can be adjusted up or down to allow for greater cornering or higher speed. Either way, this is a one-off special race car, but you can drive a regular WRX just like you're on the Nürburgring, just like every other WRX driver does. Drive a Corvette? Deal drugs for a job? Live in Guatemala? Chances are there aren't that many of you listening to this podcast, but just in case, be warned that when the Guatemalan police catch you, they will seize your car and turn it into a pursuit vehicle, just as they did with Manuel Felipe Arenas Monroy's Stingray when they arrested him in 2016. I'm not sure where they put the perps when they catch them, maybe tie them to the roof or wait for that Ford Raptor that they probably also seized. Either way, there is one really lucky cop in Guatemala right now. A new study by the University of Leicester in the UK suggests that driving a lot can make you dumber. 
Uh, specifically, the study measured the intelligence of 500,000 Brits between the ages of 37 and 73 over the course of five years and found that the individuals whose commutes were between two and three hours a day showed a sharper drop-off in brain power. Meanwhile, a study published earlier this year in Nature, which found that driving was a complex activity and that the brains of drivers tended to have more volume on the left side of their brains, areas commonly associated with greater cognitive functions. While each study has its limitations and they don't completely contradict one another, I'm sure you're all, you'll all agree with me that the people at the University of Leicester are a bunch of dumb idiots who need to find a better use for their time. Fiat Chrysler cars are so poorly engineered, uh, some of them have even started trying to kill themselves just to get it over with. Specifically, Dodge Challengers with the 5.7-liter Hamry engine do this funny little thing where they say they're in park but aren't actually in park sometimes, then roll off, probably into something or someone, all on their own. Apparently, it can happen when the engine is on and the parking brake isn't engaged, but it only affects about 8,000 cars, but this seems like the sort of thing that shouldn't happen, even on a comparatively small scale. Keep achieving the unbelievable Fiat Chrysler. When Bugatti set out to build the Chiron, they knew they had to do better than the record-shattering Veyron in every way, and it truly has eclipsed every performance figure, but there was one unknown to which we finally learned the answer today, and that is, how's its fuel economy? Well, I'm happy to say that there has been a 10% improvement over the outgoing model, which is to say the Chiron now goes 11 whole miles before gulping down a gallon of dead dinosaur, which is better than the 10 miles the old Veyron got. Hooray progress! Most automotive enthusiasts probably spend a fair amount of time trolling classifieds for unique finds and interesting project cars, and eBay bidders this week found a gem in a 1989 Dodge Ram 350 van. Uh, this, however, is not just any van and not the A-Team van. It is a dark brown van kitted out for police surveillance work, and it only had 23,000 miles on it. Uh, apparently, uh, with cameras and LCD screens, the van is also equipped with microphones around all the corners to ensure you never miss the sweet vocals of the carpool karaokeers commuting alongside you every day. Unfortunately, bidding ended on this on Monday at just under $19,000, which is a great investment uh, for all the people you'll be able to blackmail once you get it back out on the street. While Uber is trying to win back the opinions of its drivers, Lyft has decided it simply doesn't need them at all and has announced that they're developing their own autonomous driving program despite their recent partnership announcement with Waymo. The company is apparently going to build a 50,000 square foot building in Palo Alto, California, which it will call the Level 5 building, all of which will be dedicated to developing the software and hardware to allow the company to implement its own self-driving program without having to rely on its partners. And perfecting their system can't come soon enough, as Lyft may have just taken a huge dump on all of its drivers this week, with the announcement that passengers will now be able to add a stop on their journey at Taco Bell. So, in addition to getting low fares for short trips, drivers will now have to wait in line for their passenger's fourth meal, which they will probably spill all over the back seat. and who doesn't love spending time cleaning up other people's Taco Bell messes in their own car? Now let's look at some of the new cars that were announced this week.
The biggest cat in the Jaguar family got some extra muscle this week with the release of the XJR575, a large car with a large supercharged V8 that has been tuned to 567 horsepower, up from the 542 the standard XJR makes. Why not call it the XJR567? Or why not give it the power up to 575 horsepower to match the name? Why only bother to give it an extra 25 horsepower over the normal XJR? Lots of questions with this one and very few answers unless you have a spare $121,000 sitting around, in which case I'm sure Jag will be plenty happy to address your concerns. Jag's biggest and most expensive car, too small, puny, and pedestrian for you? Well, you're in luck, because Rolls-Royce today debuted the 2018 Rolls-Royce Phantom 8, which, uh, honestly looks a lot like the Phantom 7. It's big, it's opulent, it's excess in vehicular form, and it's never gonna be in one of our driveways. Uh, while when they're not colluding to screw consumers out of money and years off their lives, uh, Mercedes is they're having some fun. You know, they're letting their engineers off the leash to make some really cool vehicles. And the latest one is the E-Class All-Terrain 4x4 Squared, uh, which is basically an E-Class wagon on Gelendewagen axles with 20-inch wheels and knobby off-road tires that give it unpre- impressive and truly unnecessary ground clearance. Uh, What sort of insane power does this all-conquering off-road beast carry beneath its copious hood? A 191 horsepower four-cylinder diesel. That's that's some jacked up priorities, man. Uh, But finally this week, we got our first look at the new Aston Martin Vanquish Zagato Speedster, which is in my pants. Uh, oh man, that's just a Jizzed in my pants. Uh, wow, uh, it's it's a two-seater, fixed-roof version of the Volante and maintains the 592 horsepower V12, and just look. Jizzed in my pants. Uh, it goes on sale for. million if you're fast enough to grab one of the 28 copies being produced. In obituaries this week, news came down that one of my favorite cars on the market right now is being killed off. Uh, It's the Infiniti QX70, which you, like me, probably remember better as the FX35 or FX37, because that's what it was called when Infiniti's names made any damn sense. Uh, If you're surprised that I'm sort of sad that a crossover is being discontinued, I understand. I don't normally have very positive things to say about crossovers, but the FX was was different, man. It it was based on the G35's uh, front midship platform, which I obviously loved having owned one for years. And Infiniti never made any insinuation that this car was meant for anything but having fun and driving fast on the road. Despite its elevated ride height and gigantic wheels, this was basically a stilted sports car with a usable cargo area. Uh, It was a a coupe SUV before coupe SUVs were cool, and one that didn't pretend to be something it wasn't. It was a G35 wagon that just rode a bit higher, but kept the same impressive handling and power, not to mention that famous VQ engine howl. 
uh, it, it really broke the SUV mold with its uh, giant scarab or bionic cheetah styling, depending on who you asked what it looked like. Uh, I mean, everyone, almost everyone, said cool. Apparently, it's being killed off so that the company can focus on the smaller QX50, which it will refresh next year. Um, that also currently rides on the G35 platform, but has a smaller cargo area than my Mazda hatchback, which, trust me, I just checked last weekend. Uh, Infinity claims the QX70 will come back in a few years, but by then it will share the Murano's platform, which likely means front-wheel drive, with the engine over the drive wheels as opposed to mounted between the axles, which will neuter handling and probably kill off the best part of the car, how good it is to drive. And these things were still selling. Sure, not quite as well as the more compact crossovers, the QX50 and the QX30, its lar or its larger siblings, even the 80 or 60. Um, but it was selling in good enough numbers that you would assume that there is still demand for it. I think Infinity really screwed up on this one. Uh, even if the next model comes out looking better, if it's not as engaging to drive, they will have lost something special that was almost exclusive to them and that was sort of quintessential to the Infinity experience. And that's a real damn shame. Tesla announced this week that they're killing off their Model S 75 rear-wheel drive, which is their entry-level Model S. Apparently, Tesla didn't think that the car being twice the price of the Model 3 was differentiating enough so they wanted to carve out some more space between their vehicles to avoid the uh, confusion currently caused by their idiotic naming convention. Uh, chances are, if someone thinks that the Model 3 is the new version of the Model S, they're not a consumer you're going to want anyway, because they're just going to keep on calling Elon Musk on the speakerphone, asking him to remind him how to have the radio on, and set the temperature to 77 at the same time because you know I like to feel like I'm in Boca. Ford announced this week that uh, we Americans will not be getting the next version of the Fiesta, which will be targeting a European, Middle Eastern, and African market. Uh, nothing the Middle East likes better than fuel efficiency, right? Uh, despite selling around 50,000 Fiestas last year, that's still down from the 70,000 or so it sold in recent years. So Ford took that as a sign that the market just doesn't want small hatchbacks anymore. Uh, not that uh, that could also be interpreted that America's won a car that has been updated in the last 10 years, which the Fiesta hasn't, uh, apart from the Fiesta ST, which debuted in 2013 with more power and smiles than a car its size can contain. Either way, it's unfortunate to lose another small, fuel-efficient, fun car option, but I'm sure Ford has another crossover that it'll sell us soon. I'll wrap up this week uh, with the call to action, and this week I want to encourage everyone to stop procrastinating and check one big thing off of your to-do list. Uh, I'm a notorious procrastinator, and I'm quite accomplished at uh, finding shiny things to distract me when I have actual things I need to do. Uh, it's made worse by the fact that oftentimes many of the things that I want to get done, I don't really have a hard deadline for, and I'm the, the only person I answer to, so I can be pretty lenient on myself when I want to be. Um, after a while, though, that leniency can turn into resentment or regret, and I end up getting down on myself for, for letting these things languish. 
And I know I'm not alone in that regard. Uh, the solution here then is to buckle down, focus, knock some things out, and and head off those negative feelings and reward yourself, uh, reward your hard work with some some of that sweet sweet sense of accomplishment. Uh, it's important to do things for others certainly, but every once in a while we have to put ourselves as number one just to get shit done. So uh, with that, thank you for listening, and thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. Uh, after talking about the Aston Martin Vanquish Zagato Speedster... Uh-oh. Anyway, here's a clip of the Vanquish S and that awesome V12 at the Nürburgring. Here, friends, is your moment of zen. <laughs> 